Hello and welcome to Impact Quantum, a podcast about quantum computing for developers and engineers. In this episode, Frank speaks with Andre Koenig. Andre is an author, entrepreneur and an investor in quantum technologies. This episode is entitled The Many Inflection Points of Quantum Computing and is rated to Schrodinger's. Now on with the show. But, first, here's some dubstep. Hello and welcome to Impact Quantum, the podcast where we explore the emerging field of quantum computing and what that means for existing engineers, both software, data, and data scientists. I can record that, re-record that. With me today is Andre Koenig. Andre Koenig's profile is quite impressive. He has done a number of things, but um, most interestingly, he has spent some time recently in developing quantum uh, computing businesses, and uh, I believe that he is also a venture capitalist. Welcome to the show, Andre. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, before I got into quantum technologies, uh, I actually had a artificial intelligence startup for six years out of New York City together with IBM. So while I never was a data scientist, I had a team of um, 12, 13 uh, data scientists reporting into me and um, playing games on me, but uh, it, uh, it ended up being very successful uh, trying to replicate the same in quantum. I'm no quantum physicist. That is uh, too spooky and frankly too uh, complex and complicated to me, but um, been working in quantum for the last three years. Um, dedicated uh, to it uh, full-time as uh, one of the very few experts uh, doing this as uh, not just a hobby or, or side hustle. Interesting. So so three years is a long time in, in the quantum um, space. Um, what What's your quantum origin story? What made you get into, you know, you, you were clearly already successful in AI, but what made you, what, what, what was that spark of inspiration that you saw something about quantum and is like, this is where I want to go? I saw many things in life, uh, probably a combination of luck and uh, an effort um, uh, at Open Topic, the uh, AI startup that we did uh, together with IBM Watson and my co-founder Christian York. We were focused on uh, signal detection out of unstructured data for Wall Street. And um, uh, the reason I said uh, successful is because we did end up with a couple dozen customers and many of the big uh, famous bullish bracket Wall Street banks. My largest customer, uh, Morgan Stanley, the global CTO, became a good friend and an advocate of mine. Uh, frankly, uh, back then, and that's uh, you know four years, four and a half years now that I left that business, so 10 years that we started it, AI was still stuck in the chatbot kind of era. And um, everybody was trying to figure out, can we do something more fun and exciting? And, potentially uh, with a bigger bottom line impact. And uh, that was a struggle, not just for us, but uh, for, for everybody, I think. Um, you know, IBM hadn't fully figured it out. None of our competitors um, really did. And that led to, to a conversation between my client at Morgan Stanley and myself, who, you know, whenever he wanted to discuss something more important, took me to the Russian vodka room in Midtown Manhattan um, to uh, underscore his Russian background uh, uh, waited for me with a table full of horseradish vodka which i don't recommend to anyone uh, our, <laughs> our stomach is, stomach is, stomachs are not made for it and he said uh, listen Andre, i love uh, what we're doing and, and i love our project together but um, if you really want to 
change the world this moniker of every good uh, ceo and startup founder uh, as myself you need to start to look at uh, quantum computing ai just isn't there and when he said ai isn't there that at the enterprise level to find really pervasive um, uh, artificial intelligence applications that make an uh, impact at the, at the big wall street bank uh, we just weren't there and um, quantum computing four years ago when that conversation uh, happened uh, was really just about to peek its head out of uh, the big labs, MIT, Stanford, Oxford, EHT, Zurich, and, and so forth. Um, uh, barely uh, had seen the light of, of the world. Uh, and I always wanted to be at the inflection point of a new technology. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a data scientist and I was early in AI, but AI had been around for a long time. Um, same in digital where, where I worked before. and same in enterprise technologies that I started my career in, uh, in, in consulting with McKinsey and Accenture. Um, so that, that was the real intrigue there, you know, a, a trusted advisor and client uh, encouraging me and uh, then realizing we're at a real inflection point and something that could potentially dramatically change the, the course of um, uh, mankind and society. Yeah, you can't ask for a bigger kind of uh, potential for impact than than what quantum computing promises. So where do you think we are in terms of the hype cycle of quantum? Obviously, four years ago, it had just kind of poked its head out of the labs. Where, where do you think we, we are in, in, in the cycle here? Do you, think, um, do you think the hype is still warranted? Do you think there's, there's still more runway before we have that existential crisis? <laughs> or... Um, do you think it's going to have a totally different kind of trajectory? And uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked about the hype cycle. I was afraid you were going to ask about the maturity cycle. Um, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me answer it this way. Um, last Friday, INQ, one of the most famous uh, startups in quantum, went public, claiming to be the first uh, listed pure play quantum computing company uh, to go public, which it's not true. There are others uh, such as Arcid Quantum Computing, Arctur X. Um, but, you know, we, we, uh, they deserve that the kind of PR. It's a great company. They raised $636 million the second they rang the opening bell on, on the New York Stock Exchange for uh, Friday morning at uh, 9.30 a.m. Uh, as of speaking, uh, you know, we're Monday morning here, you and I. Uh, just 48 hours later, they are 25% down. Um, uh, and, and that might just be stock market mechanics, right? I'm, I'm not saying that there's something behind it, but I think it is uh, very symptomatic uh, when it comes to the hype cycle. Uh, we haven't reached a peak. I think there's going to be a lot more hype. Um, we're going to see a couple other large deals uh, similar in size before snow will start to fall uh, this year. Um, we're going to see some founders of smaller startups um, selling out because, yeah, they, they hustled for many years and deservedly they think that um, whatever offer they have on our table, um, two million, five million, ten million to, to buy their team um, uh, merits this kind of exit. Uh, and we're going to see a lot of consolidation. So I think the hype is going to start to, to continue to grow. Um, Arvind, the CEO of IBM, and IBM um, clearly created the quantum computing uh, e ecosystem and, and, and as a leader and it uh, gave an interview in Fast Company uh, also on Friday, uh, insisting on the IBM roadmap that by 2030 they'll have um, uh, a thousand qubits, which is one of these thresholds that 
experts argue we need to see some real results. And, um, uh, you know, that, that is part PR, part ambition, and, and it's a positive ambition that I support. Uh, if you talk to the scientists, the engineers that actually have to build this, and especially when you talk to them behind closed doors, um, they get very uh, uncomfortable with these types of statements. Um, frankly, today we haven't um, figured out what to use a quantum computer for. You know, this revolution that I alluded to at the Russian Lotka room. And um, uh, something that we hear more and more in, in conversations is when we came up with the internet, we didn't know that we were going to create, you know, 3D games with uh, tokens in it. We didn't know that we would create um, an app to order cars and never own cars again. Uh, all these ideas and transformational business models, they came after we invented the, the internet. There was no blueprint. Oh God, if only we had the internet, we could build these great companies, right? And that is something that we see and, and hear more and more in quantum uh, computing. Um, uh, we, we just need some time to really build this and build it well and, and do the you know, basic science that we still need to figure out, but most importantly, the engineering challenges to actually build it. And then these great ideas and business models will come. Today, we just don't know. So a lot of hype, um, a lot of good things happening. I'm, I'm sending a positive message here, but uh, we also need to understand that we're still very, very early in the maturity cycle um, of quantum technologies. And uh, it's, it's going to take some time. Other technologies like quantum sensing, quantum communications, uh, quantum encryption, uh, farther along and less complex, um, also more targeted at specific use cases. And that is a market that I think will sustain um, the growth of our industry over the next three to five years. Interesting, interesting. So, so the what does the maturity cycle look like? I know you were dreading that question, but I think you kind of led into it. What does that look like? And and you said something that surprised me that the special use cases or specific use cases for quantum uh, technologies are further along, which kind of surprised me. Um, but maybe you can add some some color to that. Sure. So the overall field of quantum information science uh, many times is uh, divided into quantum computing, which gets the bulk of uh, not just attention, but also uh, investor money and, and uh, kind of uh, progress. Um, deservedly so, because that's, you know, this promised future of time travel and teleportation and, and personalized flying talent, cars. universal world flying cars and, and so forth. Um, but based on the underlying principles of entanglement, superposition, um, uh, interference and so forth, there are other applications, uh, specifically quantum sensing, which is the idea of how can we build much more refined and self-sustained sensors um, on the same principles of entanglement. Um, and that's um, especially applicable in, uh, in, in medical fields, um, CT scans and um, oil and energy when, when you, you know, need to look for um, uh, new resources and so forth. Uh, quantum communication, which um, is also rooted in this phenomenon of um, entanglement um, in, in, in quantum mechanics and which allows you to communicate between you know, two entangled sources in a very secure way. Um, and that is uh, interesting, not just for countries like China that maybe have other geopolitical issues than us and, and ambitions, um, but you know, obviously the, the military and um, security complex 
uh, just like quantum encryption. So these technologies have lower technical barriers. Um, they don't need thousands or potentially millions of entangled um, qubits uh, and uh, states of superposition. They potentially just need two or, or, or a handful. Uh, and we then still have these uh, challenges of how do we reduce noise and, and increase um, coherence times to make them more stable and so forth, um, but a lower engineering um, barrier to entry. And um, the use cases are very clear. You know, if, if we know that we need to build this into a CT scanner because that is the big medical application that, that can truly change and save lives, um, that is uh, a lot more interesting than a quantum computer coming up with a new drug. Which new drug? Right. How, how do we even stop there, right? Um, a, a thousand different possibilities. Interesting. So in terms of entangled particles, there's a lot of, I wouldn't call it direct mis misinformation, but I mean, there's definitely a lot of misunderstandings. Um, one of which is the idea that these entangled particles can enable faster than light communication, which a lot of physicists, and I've heard the explanation, but they're kind of like, well, not so fast, and that's not a pun. So what's the um, what's the story with that? Superluminary communication, is that possible, um, theoretically possible, or just forget it altogether? Entanglement is this uh, principle that when you take a, an element like a, a, an ion or a photon, um, and you give it a certain spin. Spin mm -hmm. is this idea of that, you know, it is oriented in terms of its energy in a certain direction and, and, and a vector. Um, and you initiate it with uh, the same um, element, a second photon, for example, in the same state, they will stay entangled no matter the distance between them. And uh, that's really what Einstein called spooky. I'm not sure we really know how and why that happens, uh, but these elements that uh, might be separated by thousands and thousands of miles uh, will behave in the same way. Um, and we have done this over great distances, and that's where this argument might come from, that because we're unable to measure a time difference in this, um, it uh, evolves faster than uh, the speed of light. Um, and that really is just kind of a mundane expert uh, kind of argument that I don't think has any real implications or, or relevance. But the important point here is that um, many times in the popular media, you will read that quantum computers are the new supercomputers and they will solve your problem uh, a million times faster than, than anything we could ever build classically. While that is true, that is not what quantum is about. It, uh, it has nothing to do with speed. Um, or at least as much as you know, comparing a fighter jet with a bicycle. Um, they just operate on different physical principles and they are built for different purposes. You would never use a fighter jet to go to the corner store. Potentially you could build one, right? And you'd never use a bicycle to, uh, to, to go across the ocean with a heavy load and, and, and drop that somewhere um, and probably more difficult to build. Uh, so yes, a quantum computer and quantum technologies are much faster, but that is not really why we're so interested in them. It is the way that they um, compute and calculate certain types of mathematical problems that make them um, really powerful and, and paradigm changing. So uh, with, you know, with the entanglement, is it possible then to create kind of a 
for lack of a better term, a cell phone that would have basically it would work anywhere. I mean, you know, do, do, <laughs> that's kind of the first thing I'm like thinking about is like I can't go to the to the doctor's office and get a place where I have reliable cell phone signal. Um, but I mean, obviously, we're years away before that would become practical. But I mean, certainly in terms of military operations, the ability for these entangled particles to enable communication. Um, it would be very hard for, for that to be jammed and be pretty much impossible to be intercepted from what I understand. Is that is that correct? And and we're moving into the realm of, of some of the fantastic, but um, let me answer it this way. I work with a certain um, you know, Department of Defense and, and intelligence agencies, and uh, in one of their internal presentations, I once saw a slide that um, um, had the title teleportation in it. Um, so people are working even on these um, kind of crazy seeming sort of um, aspects. But uh, you, you mentioned the keyword uh, this um, uh, in these, you know, a, a imaginary quantum cell phone. It really is about security. Mm -hmm. um, China is believed to be investing a lot more in quantum communication and quantum encryption than to quantum computing because they always have this concern of um, how do we build a, a digital infrastructure that we can fully control, number one, but number two, that's also fully secure and unhackable. And then it comes with the societal and economic implications that, uh, that we all can uh, imagine in China. And, and that is true. What we call entropy um, in quantum is the only mathematically proven way to create true randomness. There's no other proven way to do random numbers and random numbers are what underlie all of these security principles any kind of um, security key or encryption um, uh, that that you rely on uh, be it when you log into your bank online or or use your cell phone or uh, operate an internet node um, in, in your city relies on some form of encryption that is rooted in randomness and um, quantum fixes this problem and uh, also makes it impossible to not be detected you might have you know heard about the schrodinger's cat that is simultaneously uh, alive and dead um, trapped in a box with, with a source of um, uh, you know poison uh, and it's only once you observe it that you know if it's uh, even uh, dead or alive um, and that is kind of the second principle underlying this um, if there were to be an intruder there is just physically no way for that intruder to be undetected, but um, uh, she or, uh, or him couldn't even encrypt the information. Um, so it is all about security um, uh, in, in all of these kind of applications and uh, that spans the defense sector to telecommunication. Um, 5G is, is very interested in this um, to global internet infrastructures. Interesting, so there's, there's definitely, um... A real business case there and it seems like that's going to happen much sooner than a general quantum computer the national institute of science um, and technology of standards and technology sorry in this uh, in the u.s which is the standard setting body um, in in the u.s but you know also followed globally um, very much is working on post-quantum encryption standards that are expected to be released before the end of next year and um, upon release, you know, many banks, critical infrastructure, telecom providers, um, uh, I believe to adopt them. And uh, there is an ecosystem of vendors and startups out there 
that are preparing the field for that. And, and that is a real commercial opportunity where we have you know, products and solutions that aren't yet fully matured, but um, that, that are working prototypes and um, are being tested and, and implemented and integrated. Interesting. I actually live um, about five to 10 miles away from the NIST campus in the DC area. My wife works there, so I... <laughs> it's the, truly one of the you know revolutionary uh, institutions in the world when yeah. it comes to quantum. Um, a lot of the research uh, that you know underpins the current quantum revolution comes out of NIST, especially on on quantum clocks. Um, you can also use the principles of, of quantum mechanics to uh, build the most accurate clocks, and that is something that NIST has been doing. Don't quote me on this, but uh, I believe for 30 or 40 years mm -hmm. um, and as a leader in that space. And out of that comes a, a lot of research that really fueled the, the current um, kind of uh, hype, as you called it earlier. Right, right. No, I, I, it's, it's a fascinating field. And, you know, I think you touched upon the words I like to use, which is inflection point. And in your opinion, what what does that inflection point look like? Are we at that inflection point or is it still some some time away? Who's asking? Is uh, is a large enterprise asking? Is um, is an investor asking? Is a government asking? Is a, is a user asking? I think it really depends on um, who is posing that uh, that question, and um, different people will have uh, different answers from that. If we're talking about this quantum computer that will really usher in an era of you know what I might have referred to as personalized matters, medicine, universal wealth, um, uh, and all these kind of um, dream use cases, that that is something that is 10 to 15 years ago. Um, will there be very smart vendors that collaborate with, uh, uh, you know, I'll stick to Morgan Stanley because I used them earlier, and iterate use cases, solutions, technologies to something that is better than they can find classically or with artificial intelligence uh, you know we might start to see certain pinpoint solutions there uh, within three years um plus minus, minus a, a year or two um uh, it, it's really a grab bag of uh, of possibilities interesting i like the idea that there's multiple inflection points uh because you're right i guess it depends on who's asking if you're in the defense intel security teleco telco space there's clearly implications happening now and, and then that is very important if you are government uh, that inflection point was a year or two ago and um, right. if, uh, if you didn't act on that or if, if you're not really trying to catch that that train that left that station a year or two ago um by by whatever mean possible now um you'll be left behind um uh, we are starting to see um, bans on foreign direct investments. Um, there are talks both in Europe and, uh, and the US on potential export bans on uh, these technologies. Currently, there is no country that controls the full supply chain for the types of hardware that we build today. Um, uh, and, and that is something that is going to change over the next uh, couple of years, I, I think. And um, countries will be left behind, and those countries, their infrastructure will be vulnerable. It's not just vulnerable; it will be served on a silver platter to anyone who, who wants it. Um, their big enterprises will be, you know, served up on a silver platter, and and, and their industries and business cases. 
Um, and that is an inflection point that we've passed. Interesting. Yeah, I've noticed that there's been a lot of initiatives, um, both in the U.S. government, um, the European Union, um, uh, Finland, a lot of uh, China, obviously, uh, Japan, a lot of countries have suddenly realized. And I think that was that's kind of the underscoring thing is that if you're not on board with this now, you're going to have to play catch up. And the risk of playing catch up um, is having every, everything kind of served up on a silver platter. I think that's a very, it's a very interesting statement and kind of an interesting situation. We simply don't have enough quantum physicists, um, quantum engineers to build more than, we, let, let me rephrase that, we don't have enough quantum physicists and, and, and quantum engineers to build what we're trying to build today. There's about 500 companies that, that we track globally involved in this. They all have our shortage of talent. Um, uh, so there is going to be consolidation today and uh, others being left out. Um, you mentioned some programs. There are others, Russia, Israel, Australia, France, Germany, Canada, the US, obviously. Um, uh, there's not enough of a workforce and that's uh, a workforce that you don't, unlike in digital, AI or blockchain and, and not you know disrespecting anyone can just build in six months or a year or two years. You need a, you need a PhD from MIT and, and that takes right. uh, you know a, a certain level of intellectual disposition and six, seven, eight years. Um, and then we're not uh, not even yet talking about everything that comes afterwards, software development, uh, controls, um, measurement, um, maintenance, um, things that we haven't even thought about yet. Um, the entire supply chain of cryogenic fridges that are still needed for 95% of the hardware. And, you know, there are really only one or two suppliers of that globally. Um, and, and that's why if you aren't engaged in it, you're, you're left behind already. Right. Because it, you know, there is no, no boot camp exists right now for somebody to go to a six week program. You can learn how to code, but you don't necessarily get that expertise in physics or quantum physics. That's interesting. There's a, there's a much more of a human development um, timeline here is that may be the biggest obstacle. And there is no shortcut to it. Um, you right. know, we can uh, graduate and, and boot camps, other types of uh, resources and skills that will be helpful uh, on the periphery of quantum. But uh, this is still a very, very, very hard problem to fix. Uh, think about, you know, the space race uh, decades ago or, or nuclear. You just need a certain type of, of capability uh, and, and there is no, uh, no shortcut or workaround to it. So if you're in university and you're pondering, <laughs> it seems like this would be a no-brainer in terms of just what the opportunity would, would, would relate, would become. And, and besides being fascinating and probably future-proof, um, we talked about INQ very early on. If, if you Google those images or videos, there were two dozen people on the balcony of the New York Stock Exchange uh, ringing that bell. Uh, all of these people could probably retire now, right? right. And uh, that, that is the first wave of quantum scientists and quantum physicists that um, will continue to work on these very hard problems. But, you know, I, I don't think anyone there became a billionaire. But um, uh, they are all very comfortable, and, and that is a very interesting and fast career path. That's fascinating. I, I, I wonder, like, you know, if you think back to kind of the, the, the first .NET boom, 
which arguably I think the big bang for that was probably Netscape going public in, uh, I think it was August 95. And it really took the dot-com crash and kind of the what came after that to really fulfill the promise of a lot of these early dot-net startup, or not dot-net, dot-com startups. And I wonder, will quantum also follow a similar trajectory? Like, was was IonQ's uh, public debut kind of analogous to that, or is it going to take something completely different path? And there were other big deals, Arcit uh, with uh, 350 million, uh, the Honeywell spin-off into a new joint venture with Cambridge Quantum Computing, mm -hmm. 200, 250 million. You know, as, as I alluded to earlier, um, I personally expect at least two or three other very, very large deals, um, maybe even bigger than these um, uh, before year end. So we're going to have a couple billion, if not more, in the market looking for returns. And um, that alone is going to make a lot of people rich. And it might uh, motivate um, uh, uh, you know, one or two scientists that are currently working for INQ, for IBM, for, for Google, uh, to take their own research, their, their own IP, and, and start something new and uh, different, right? Um, that, uh, that, that is uh, beyond, a, beyond a doubt. So the ecosystem will get rich, uh, will continue to grow and, and, and spall. If, if this is the start of kind of the Netscape, uh, PayPal, Mafia, um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure, but um, uh, certainly the first step into that direction. Interesting. And um, so what do you think that existing kind of software engineers and existing kind of data engineers, people already in IT, I mean, you, you yourself mentioned you don't have a background in quantum physics, but you're succeeding in this field. You didn't have a background in artificial intelligence, but you succeeded very clearly in that field. What, 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 what would be your advice to you, someone who was a software engineer or um, a data engineer? And uh, on, on the software side, it is a lot easier to get into quantum. Um, you're starting to see um, platforms such as uh, Strangeworks, quantumcomputing.com, that has really amazing libraries that you can just fork off, um, uh, actually execute on, on a real quantum computer. Um, it has different levels from entry to, to medium to expert, explainers uh, and a community around it, um, repositories on, on GitHub. What to me is interesting, and I still don't know if it's uh, scaring or uh, 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 motivating, is that we see um, even more startup companies in software than in hardware. And hmm. um, if you consider this maturity or, or hype cycle that the technology is at, to me it is kind of crazy to think that there are so many people working on languages, on libraries, on, on operating systems, on compilers, on middleware, um, if we still don't know what the hardware will look like. We you know, call this modality. Is it going to be a superconducting ship-based um, hardware, or is it going to be a photonic light-based type of technology? We still don't know what the hardware will look like, yet we already have this whole ecosystem of, uh, of code. Uh, there's a company out of uh, Israel, Classic, that does you know, self-writing code, which is crazy. Um, mm. Self-writing code on, on a quantum computer. And uh, you know, we're, we're still in the, in the very, very early days of it. So there is a big ecosystem. There's a lot of resources out there, all the usual stuff that you'd expect as a developer. 
uh, I think uh, all of these, you know, call it 500 vendors and, and, and startups out there, they are looking for help. They all have projects. Many of them offer internships um, uh, and, and, and almost all of them are hiring. So if you want to get into quantum on the software side, you don't need um, uh, that PhD from, uh, from a, an Ivy League kind of uh, institution. Um, you just need a good understanding of uh, those use cases and um, uh, obviously the code. Um, a lot of it runs on Python um, uh, mostly, but some other languages as well. Uh, it, it does get more difficult because um, software in an ideal case is co-designed with the hardware, um, specifically based on what vendor you work with and potentially what type of use case you work with. Do you work uh, in, a, in a Wall Street type of use case that is data intensive and you know, very sensitive to, to um, latency and things like that? Or, or do you work in, um, in a research environment with, uh, with a big uh, pharmaceutical company that has much lower data loads and is more trying to do you know, um, a, a trial and error type of uh, computations? Um, uh, so you, very quickly, you will need to get into the spooky world of, of quantum mechanics um, to be able to really write good code because it's, it's not enough to uh, you know, be a, a good developer um, at some point, you need to look at the algorithms behind it. Interesting. So the hardware abstraction layer isn't quite there yet. Correct. Interesting. And where can folks find out more about you and what you're doing? Um, I've seen your LinkedIn profile. You've, you've been featured in a lot of different media outlets uh, around the world. So thank you for taking time out. Where can folks find out more about you? Uh, very, very famous indeed. Thank you for pointing that out. But um, <laughs> well, one thing I would like to highlight is um, uh, One Quantum, which is uh, one of my three ventures in quantum computing. And it's uh, the largest global quantum tech community uh, that addresses a lot of the questions that you asked me. Uh, we are organized into chapters, geographical chapters. We have 21 or 22 of them currently. We have a couple topical chapters, women in quantum, for example. Um, uh, which is uh, very successful and we offer community from you know, workshops to big conferences with thousands of people. Uh, we have a mentoring uh, program with 400 people currently enrolled. We have a career services track and um, uh, we ultimately do projects um, together with StrangeWorks on quantumcomputing.com. Um, just that uh, the first one in Nepal, we have a Nepal chapter. Um, uh, nobody ever in Nepal heard of quantum computing and we just uh, with five uh, students there that we trained nice. for three months uh, run the first very simple project uh, so one quantum is uh, something that i'd uh, encourage anyone who's interested to check out um, uh, me myself feel free to be in touch on, on linkedin i also have a website andrekoenig.com a-n-d-r-e-k-o-n-i-g.com uh, i'd love to hear from you awesome well, thank you very much. You've been listening to Impact Quantum. Be sure to go to impactquantum.com and I'll let the nice British lady end the show. Thanks for listening to Impact Quantum. We know you're busy and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. But we have a favor to ask. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. Of course, you have subscribed to us. Haven't you? Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And, can't the world use a little more joy these days? So, 
Go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show.